0: So, on the podcast today, we have Jonathan from RopeSafe. How are you doing today, Jonathan?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, Mark. How about yourself?
0: Really well. Uh, what we're going to be chatting about is a little bit about military transitioning. Um, we've done a whole transition chat before, but this is a bit of a different spin on it, talking to a former U.S. service person. We're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and how the military helped with that, and then we're going to go into the rope safe and into the product. Uh, you cool with that?
1: Yeah, I, I love the topics.
0: You're good with the topics. So sure. before we get too far into this, how about for the viewership, the listenership, a little bit about who you are and where you're from and all that sort of jazz?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, I, again, my name is uh, is John Panorn. I'm the uh, the founder and CEO of uh, of Rope Safe USA. But before I began this endeavor, I was a uh, a combat veteran, a two time Iraq combat veteran. Uh, from 2005 through 2009, uh, spanning about 24 months total. And, uh, and uh, an Army Ranger and uh, and also a proud father of, uh, of two boys and a, uh, a little spitfire of a daughter. Uh, and my wife and I of, uh, of about 14 years, coming up on 15 here. Her anniversary is in about two weeks, so I can't forget that one. Um, and uh, so coming up on 15 years, and we live in Killingworth, Connecticut.
0: Right on. Um, I'm going to take a couple, you know, throw a couple of questions at you in regards to that. You know, obviously everybody hears about well, Ranger School. I was Canadian Forces. We sent guys down there for that, uh, probably girls now too. For you personally, what was the toughest part of Ranger School? Because it changes. I mean, you got the different phases. So for you, what what killed you out there?
1: Oh boy. Uh, it, so, um, you know, everybody knows the, uh, the physical, you know, obviously the physical demands and the sleep deprivation and the, the caloric restriction, that's all, you know, every, a lot of people have talked about that, but I, I'll talk about the internal mental, uh, struggle of, uh, of Ranger school. Cause the physical aspect, you're going on fumes, uh, you're going on willpower, uh, alone. And, um, you know, when I I, I was a mountain phase recycle. So for those who don't know, Ranger School is 62 days and it's three phases. So there's the, uh, there's wrap week and then you move and that's your physical assessment phase. Uh, And then you move into the field exercise, which is Darby down in Fort Benning, Georgia. That's about, that's about seven day field exercise. Uh, And then you get shipped up to the mountains of Dahlonega, Georgia in the middle of the Tennessee Valley Divide. Uh, and that's a uh, that's, uh, it's about three week program in the mountains and then you get ship down to uh, Eglin Air Force Base in the middle of Florida in the middle of swamps uh, and uh, and that is uh, that is about a three week so it's total about sixty two days but um you know they just the the pressure just continues to mount as you continue to 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 progress to through the program. Um, and the recycle rate is, uh, and don't quote me when I was there as an instructor, uh, was about thirty percent success. So for every ten uh, students that entered into Ranger School, ultimately about thirty percent received the, you know, the Ranger, the Ranger tab. Um, but the, the the quick story about me is is it, it, in the mountains of of Dahlonega, Georgia. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's literally out in the middle of the mountains and there, it's just very aggressive terrain and you're humping 75 to 125 pound rucksacks and it's no joke. Uh, we measured them uh, and we weighed them all, and uh, we're like, wow, we literally load these students down and they give you about, uh, 1800 calories a day. So you can do the math. I mean, you know, you're burning that before 10 AM. So, um, and but the again, Ranger School is a leadership school. A lot of people don't don't know that. It's actually designed to train leaders to prepare to lead soldiers into combat. That's the that is the that is the course. So, uh, you get evaluated on your leadership ability. So, for example, if Mark Pfeiffer from Rona Rescue was a student at Ranger School, he would be no longer Mark Pfeiffer, he would be a, a roster number, which mine was 246. I mean, you don't forget these things. And so it would be, you. You get when you get to the mountains, you have to lead a platoon size element. So it's about, you know, 34 Ranger students up to 40 Ranger students in the, you know, during all weather conditions and limited visibility at day and night, you have to lead hungry, tired, um, and, uh, you know, U S army ranger students in just a very challenging uh, leadership assignment. So you have to lead them on a real world mission as if you were conducting a raid or an ambush. Um, that's all we do is we go set raids, we go set up ambushes and we execute raids and we withdraw to patrol bases. Um, so I had been assigned a platoon leader a couple of times because I was an officer uh, in the army, uh, and so uh, during my, uh, again during during the mountain phase, I had received two no-gos on my patrols, meaning that I was assigned a 24-hour job to lead a platoon and I failed at it. And uh, you know nothing worse than a platoon leader telling you being told that you failed. But, you know, I, again, 70% of the people fail out of the program entirely, but, um, and I got three no-go's and, you know, I, I was devastated and to the point of like running behind a dumpster and crying because it it, it was so, I felt at the time so traumatic that, you know, well, half of my class washed out anyway in the mountains. So I survived with a no-go, but my peers went on. And 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 that was very very difficult for me. And so I think what I really took away from Ranger School is is how to accept failure uh, and how to learn from your mistakes uh, so you don't repeat them. Long winded story, Mark. Sorry to to, to oh, bog you down there, but how old were the, you when
0: you went through Ranger School?
1: Oh boy, twenty five years old uh 24 24 actually uh 2004 yeah so i was 24 uh
0: years old it's incredible i mean people ask you "Well, what's good about the military i go never will you get 20 year olds 25s 19s whatever leading sections or platoons and the amount of awesome responsibility that comes with that i mean you're carrying enough firepower to destroy villages And you're 20 25 24 years old doing that and it's just an awesome amount of responsibility so
1: in in, in fast forward into combat um you know you take the lessons that you learn there is no doubt about it i think you know chris boss uh, fbi hostage negotiator he's got a fantastic book uh never split the difference you know it'd be cool to link that in the show notes he's also a member of strategic coach i'm a you know part of the strategic coach program but I, I think that, um, the, uh, you know, he had mentioned that you just default to your lowest level of training and it couldn't be more right. You know, when, uh, you know, when an IED strikes your, your convoy or you get sniper fire, or, you know, you, you get a, uh, you get a nine line medevac request and you have to carry somebody off the, va- uh, off the battlefield. You just default to your, your, your lowest level of training.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that pushes out, I mean, tangent in, into what you're doing now for certain as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely a worthwhile endeavor. Total tangent here Ranger school, we get an application for a guy, for Ronan, says he's yeah. a US Army Ranger. So we ask him for what's, you know, what was the course number? And he goes, well, I kind of did it part time. And I'm going, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> so my business partner is a former U.S. Marine. And after the first Gulf War, they were getting rid of Marines. He came back up here, became a fireman. Well, a couple of the guys he served with went Army. One of them is an instructor at the Ranger School. Ah. So we push this guy. He gives us a course number. We take get a photo of that course, and we send it to him and go, could you please identify yourself in the photo? The dude's like, how did you get that? That's a the wall embedding." And we're like, hey, we're asking the questions here. Are you in the picture or not? Uh, no. Yep. See you later. <laughs> Ooh,
1: gotcha. That's called the tab check, Mark. And it happens a lot. I, I, I tab checked a, a guy because uh, one of my friends who's a, he's an SF dude and he said, yeah, this guy shows up. He's got a Ranger tab. Doesn't quite look like the type. And so I, you know, even it was like three or four years later, I had sent an email off and they're like, Oh yeah, sure. What's his name? No record of it whatsoever. I'm like, dude, I don't know. They, you, they, I don't know if your boy went or not, but we got no record of it.
0: Uh, fair enough. We get it a lot up here too. A uh, couple of our guys who work for us are former Tier One operators, and you should see the amount of Tier One operators we have apply for us. That we just throw the resume in oh, yeah. front of them, and they're like, never heard of them before. <laughs>
1: It's so funny how, which is a good segue into 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 business and how you know what the military teaches you, right? It's integrity, and you know that's you know a lot of people may have a motivational plaque on their wall, but to truly operate in integrity is is to you know is to is to garner trust, in my opinion, and uh, and it's in every word you say and every action you take. So um, you know I've certainly learned the hard way as Compromised integrity and the damage that it does. You know, I'm I'm for you know be the first to admit my 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 shortcomings. Um, but uh, you know that's not how we we run our business at at, at Robesafe. You know we you know we operate in a climate of open honesty and and, and transparency, and we operate in a, a safe work environment where we we are a results oriented org. You know you are, we are a results oriented organization, Mark. And I don't care what color background service member or not. Uh, you know, are, do you contribute to the culture? Uh, are you trustworthy and are you going to produce uh, results? So that's my metric, my benchmark there.
0: Right on. Um, to back up a little bit transitioning out of the military, how did you find that? Ooh,
1: um, very, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Wow. Uh, flashback, um, very challenging. Um, and, you know, be in reflecting on my transition, uh, I, I, I was an instructor as well at, at uh, so I did go back and serve as a mountaineering platoon leader where we did uh, where we did mountain rescue, um, you know casualty evacuation uh, in a mountainous environment, everything from doing uh, obviously rotary rotary wing uh, uh, evacuation um, repelling, climbing, um, mobility, building rope systems. And so I was responsible for that. Um, but in the transition, you know, I was fortunate enough to some degree to be in a training role. Some guys come, you know, right from combat in Afghanistan to a combat outpost in Afghanistan, transition to the civilian workforce in 90 days. And it just, it it just takes you 90 days to start to wrap your head around, the whole year that you've been gone, and fast forward, you know the world has changed. Uh, new president sometimes is elected, and you know you've been fighting the fight in Afghanistan. And ninety days later, you're you know out of the military and uh, are on terminal leave, and that's incredibly difficult. Um, you know it was challenging for me. I came from a training environment, so I had time to get my my paperwork in place, get letters of recommendation, uh, start to work on my resume, start to work on my linkedin profile and quite frankly the services that were available at that time in the transition programs were just you know flat out terrible um but you know fast forward a few years i can't really speak to the transition services now but there's organizations like um uh, boy I'll, I'll i'll think about it uh through the progression of this podcast but guys like tony main uh who's a former ranger battalion uh, officer that put together a fantastic transition timeline that talks about building up your LinkedIn profile. And so I had the good fortune of being advised um, in, in, in transition, but it was still difficult because um, you know, I came from a a totally different environment to go into um, you know, a project management role at a major utility company. And I was just ill equipped to um, handle the political, nature of the corporate workforce. I, I was just ill-equipped to, to to do that. And I, you know, I, I stepped, I mean, I I couldn't tell you how many times I got talked, talked to and, you know, I just didn't, I just was not a good fit. It was oil and water. And, you know, I suffered for years, Mark, trying to, you know, fit into this role that just square peg round hole. I mean, I, coming from leading troops in combat Um, and, uh, and, and being responsible as an executive officer for a company, being on battalion staff and training ranger students, like, like you mentioned, you have this substantial responsibility, um, and, and then you go into corporate America and you're, you're part of this, you know, big corporate machine, whatever. And I just did not adapt well at all.
0: Okay. Okay. If you could give advice to someone coming out of the Rangers now or any branch of the military, like what's the one thing, piece of advice for them to transition that you would give? Good, good question.
1: You know, start thinking about it at least six to nine months uh, at a minimum when, and I know that's hard because, and even if you don't know, even if you don't know you're going to transition, you can still do and position yourself uh, professionally very well and then continue to raise your right hand and continue to serve. Um, you know, there's uh, again Tony Main, um, you know, he, on, uh, on LinkedIn, a uh, great platform for, for transitioning veterans. Uh, he put together a very robust timeline and like a 50 some odd page transitioning document uh, that breaks down what you need to do at what point in time in your transition um, timeline. So I would encourage folks to, uh, to, to look him up, follow him. Um and uh, I, I think I think that the one piece of advice is just plan for a transition. You can always, you can always continue to serve, but you know, you can do things such as getting letters of recommendation from your battalion commander. You know, go to your battalion commander. I don't care if you're an E4. I don't care if you're, you know uh, an E3. You, you serve you served your country, go up to the man and say, I want a letter of recommendation and um and you get three of those and build your linkedin profile uh get a professional headshot uh get work with a a, you know work with some of these great organizations that help uh convert your military experience into corporate language because nobody will understand that i was an infantry rifle executive officer responsible for the safety of over one you know 100 million dollars of, of organizational equipment and you know nobody gets that so you, you got to convert that into into corporate speak or whatever you know industry or job you're you're going for
0: i think that's so true we get resumes where i think we're about 40 45 percent veterans former soldiers here And we get resumes and I can read them, whether they're US, Canadian, British, right? Because it's common language. But if you sent that out to, you know, your local hydro authority, there's gonna be people that are gonna look at that and not have a clue what it exactly is you say. So yeah, civilianizing your resume is huge.
1: Yeah. And thank you for hiring almost 50% of your staff as 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 veterans. I mean, and I see what you guys are doing out in the field and you're you're taking advantage of the training that they've had. And there's there's nothing better if there's one thing that employers, I'll, I'll, I'll answer a question you didn't ask is, you know, what can I as an employer do to help a transitioning veteran and know that they will add value to your organization? And if you can find the right fit for them, uh, be patient with them. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a very patient manager, boss, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you know, you, you need that, you know, they, you need to deploy some patience. you need you deploy some empathy for these folks, you know, you need to, um, yeah, it's a tough question. Uh, you know, you just need to respect their military service and, um, and help them and they will work their asses off for you. They will work. Tell me about Mark. Tell me about Rona rescue. Tell me about your, you know, new hire veterans, please, you know, please tell us.
0: It's absolutely. I mean, you've got to put them into the right positions. absolutely true there. You've got to put them into the right culture. And I think what a lot of employers forget is a lot of the people I served with, I mean, they got into the military at, you know, 18, 17, 19 years old. That's the only call it adult experience they understand. So they don't even have an idea how to, properly fit in with a, you know, their peers at that age when they get out of the service because it's something that's completely foreign to them. So, I mean, as an employer, just give them that opportunity. But like you say, they're generally honest, they're generally hardworking, they're generally loyal. So.
1: Yeah. I like the, I mean, there are exceptions, right? There's exceptions to
0: everyone. There really is, you know, and so good, good, good point. Um, What did you get your degree in? You were an officer. So I don't know. I mean, in our army, you have to have a degree to be an officer. I'm assuming it's down there.
1: Yeah. I got a degree from the university of Connecticut through the ROTC program. I wasn't listed first, so I did serve as a combat engineer. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and then I just loved it. You know, I just loved it. I was a lost soul child as a high schooler. So, uh, um, it, the military provided the much needed discipline. Uh, and that just like unlocked me, you know, it, like Jocko Willink, discipline equals freedom. And it's so true. It, it's so true. And, and it's like you can you constrain yourself within a set of disciplines. And that constraint opens up and gives you freedom to do, you know, to produce a podcast, to start a company. And uh, you know, and it's it's amazing and get in good shape stay healthy.
0: So I guess bringing into that, starting a company. Entrepreneurship. What made you decide, hey, you know what? I don't want to work for people anymore. I want to go and do this on my own and take it on the chin and put all my money on the line and (laughs) not sleep for weeks on it. What made you think that was a good idea?
1: (laughs) Ooh. You know, if you asked me, uh, if you asked me three years ago, I'd say it was a terrible, terrible idea. I would never do that. I would much prefer the security of the corporate workforce. But uh, in in reality, you know, I don't know. I, I'm probably not the best person to ask this question, but um, I, I just I, how do I answer this? It just felt like it called to me a little bit. Like I, I get. I don't want to sound generic, but I I, I saw a, a problem in, uh, in an area that I'm very passionate about is, is keeping people safe and protecting, um, you know, protecting those from, you know, accidents that are totally preventable. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, you know, back as a, as an instructor, you know, we, we did a a lot of repelling, combat repelling, you know, uh, and, and, uh, multi-pitch repelling, night repelling, and repelling under MVGs and you know it's dangerous I mean it is dangerous and, and so um you know our instructors were highly competent and I oversaw all the instructors who were responsible for the safety and I was ultimately responsible for everything so um you know we used you know in protecting our edges we used fire hose and we grommet it excuse me we tied it back to our anchor point and students would forget it. It would get caught in their figure of a descender. They uh you know they they wouldn't grab it or they'd they'd grab it so hard that they'd pull the whole thing and they'd rip the grommets out and then it would the whole thing would be off of the edge. So it, it was dare I say it was it was a constant nuisance. And you know, we, we saw kids invert trying to reach and you know reach for their you know, reach for that, um, you know, that fire hose and it was just very problematic. So, you know, being as though I, I once was a climber myself, I'm not much of a climber now, but, um, you know, we, I, I, had this problem so that, that just stuck with me. And, uh, and so I came up with multiple iterations of, you know, the, the current solution that we have, which is, which is rope safe.
0: Yeah. So about like how many years ago did this decide to percolate to the front of the, the membranes of the brain and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to make the jump and go and do this.
1: Oh, So the two parts. So that it, it started with the just opening of the business merely to capture my intellectual property. You know, once I talked to, you know, a couple local firemen, you know, my you know, a climbing buddy uh, and, a, and a few other folks and said, I, you know, you, I think you got something here. Um, and so then I, uh, I opened up, you know, my, my provisional patent filing and now we have two patents and we're, you know, we're, we're doing another filing, um, by the time this recording hits, it'll already, it'll already be filed. Um, and, uh, and so that's, uh, that was my kind of my R and D phase. Uh, and so once we were awarded our, um, or we were awarded our, let me, let, once we got a favorable determination from the patent office, it went from provisional to a notice of allowance um, back in April of, uh, of, of 2018, which is the day my daughter was born, um, is when we decided to. And I was a sales director at the time for another startup company that is still very successful, very, uh, very successful company. Um, and, uh, I decided that I'm going to take a run at this.
0: Now, did you have a background in sales at all? You mentioned you're a sales director for another organization, obviously as an entrepreneur, you know, everything, your CEO, your CFO, your sales marketing, Was a background in that at all?
1: Uh, a limited, uh, professional. I, I was a project manager in the civilian workforce, but then, um, you know, became a sales director, which couldn't have been. Uh, I, a better move for me. And um, take it easy, guys. Uh, it could, yeah, I guess, again, couldn't have been a better move for me. So it taught me the science and the art of sales. And I had the opportunity to work with a company that's based in uh, uh, California, Period Technologies. They manufacture the Halo Tire Inflator. Fantastic venture backed company um, and led by uh, my old boss, Jan Mertens. Uh, and he he did, again, he just he just taught me so much about about how to uh, you know build a sales greenfield sales territory. So um, that was an incredibly
0: useful. Right on. And so 2018, we're talking two years. So this is kind of past its infancy into you know it's been developed, it's gotten out into the market. How have you found the feedback? Have you made any changes with the product In the product for everybody that's listening to uh, RopeSafe? Jonathan can throw out the website on here so that you can take a look at it. Website is? Sure. It's RopeSafeUSA.com. Easy. RopeSafeUSA.com. So from that initial patent in 2018, how did it move from there? Like have you changed things up much or were you pretty, <laughs> pretty solid with what you looked at? Yeah, so at that point, it was
1: a decision to take a run at it, not to bring it to market. And so I, I sent it down to, uh, up to, I can't really tell you the organizations that I sent it to, but and I sent it to a wide variety of elite military and first responder uh, organizations and uh, started to collect feedback on the product. And And so what we, we you know, and what I was seeking to to learn is there an actual problem that needs to be solved here? And I, I I mean, if you, if you, if you have a product that doesn't solve a problem, you don't have a product like, you know, and, uh, and so my, my, my idea was to one, learn, is there actually a problem similar to what I experienced? Uh, and you know, how many, how many industries does this affect? Um, can I create something that's universal? Because what I also learned is that somebody in the rope access industry, and somebody in the military, and somebody in the first responder community, uh, will do uh, uh, rope protection and anchoring different. Um, you go within a firehouse and you ask two different firemen to go pad the edge, and they will do it two different ways every time. And um, and so we noticed that deficit, but we also noticed that um, you know the first round you know was more of a. Um, give me your, give me your raw unadulterated feedback. Is this something that you would buy Mark? You know uh, is, do you see value in what is the value that this delivers? What problems does this solve? Um, You know, and, and so we would just use those opportunities to just pick our customers, prospective customers brains But, and then we went back and we made some uh, design changes and, you know, we, we hit upon something that has just been pure gold, which has been implementing the, uh, the, the anchoring strap into the Cordura ballistic fabric. And that's been a game changer. And so we've been doing that since 2018, you know, um, and, and, you know, we've tested it out as removable. We've tested it out as fixed. We've, we've left it universal. We left it, we left our patent so broad that it gives us flexibility to retain the integrity of our intellectual property. And, uh, and so, um, we kept incorporating that feedback, and then I'd sent another round down, and we made another round of design changes. We changed the Velcro, we changed the trim, we changed the interior material. We added a layer of a retirement indicator. We've been doing the retirement indicator since 2018, um, where we had added a, a, a high-contrasting layer um, to 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 ch- identify when. To take this product out of service, and so what happens, Mark? As you know, once you once you put your rope protector on the edge, and you don't, have, I don't have to tell you that constant sawing back and forth, or you know, the raising and lowering, really, really does a lot of damage to both the interior and the exterior. So, you know, I have a, a you know multi-layer uh, system, but within that is a is a high contrasting layer that will clearly show you when there's been a breach in the uh, exterior sheath or the interior. Uh, canvas that we have um and so that that gives you another safety factor that you can deploy it when it's two in the morning and it's sleeting rain and you need to put this system into action very quickly Um, and and uh, that's what we did by you know it was a very customer-centric uh innovation user-centric innovation
0: right on and i mean I brought you on here because we have played with the product a bit and I find some definite usefulness to it. Could you just talk a little bit about that anchor sling? You mentioned it there a bit, but that anchor sling incorporation, because to me that was kind of, you know, from a rope access, a fire, a, you know, a rigging point of view for us, it really made a lot of sense. So you just have a quick chat about that. Yeah. I, I love talking
1: about this because, you know, more and more as we got out to work with the FDNY, work with the ESU, um, you know, th- those folks don't endorse my product, so let's let's just not add them. You know, we we worked with major metropolitan fire departments, and uh, and also you know your small local to volunteers that have tremendous rope and rescue capabilities. Um, and you know what we learned is is that uh, again, they're you know our customers are using cut fire hose jackets. Um, you know, sometimes nothing at all. Um. And those are actually our biggest competitors. So the the anchoring component came to as understanding what our customers actually do. So in, they don't just wrap a piece of, of webbing around, uh, you know, with a, with a water knot and, and anchor off to that. They have to pad that anchor out. So uh, as to protect it, if you're like one of my customers, Dallas SWAT and Fort Worth SWAT, they tend to anchor a lot on steel i-beams so those steel i-beams are covered in rust they're sharp and you know they they run the risk of of overloading and and severing their anchor straps and you could probably tell more real world stories i hear them from my customers so uh the incorporation of the anchor sling uh was designed to give the user multiple configurations so you can basket hitch the product um and you know its minimum breaking strength is exorbitantly high um, and you can also girth hitch it, so that's what the difference is, Mark. you know you take if you make the anchor sling removable, you know the problem that happens is that you can't girth hitch it, and the basket hitch um you know there's it there, there's some technical flaws that emerge by making it removable so but we did know that we have to have more universal coverage because you know there may be some applicabilities, but the final distillation of the product is the is the is the webbing sewn into the anchor strap so you mark as the user can pre-configure your kit so you can take that 48 inch rope safe and that 36 inch rope safe you tie your double figure of eight to the end of your rescue uh, your life safety rope and you open up your bag and you run up to the anchor and you wrap the product around it holds its form and you clip off to it and you're done it saves a lot of time
0: what's the uh braking strengths of those particular things there those yeah. Just we know yeah so end to end
1: it's uh it's eight thousand pounds uh is its minimum breaking strength uh in the basket configuration it's fourteen thousand two hundred pounds and in the girth hitch it's uh it, in the girth hitch it's forty nine hundred plus pounds so it's about five thousand pounds
0: right on. Um, how has it been going from a business point of view now? You've got the r and d you got the feedback, you've made some changes, and now i I take it you're pushing out to market you're this yeah is now becoming you know the the game sort of thing
1: it is it is yeah, and so I've been full time on the business since uh about September of last year. So i about 13, you know, 14 months, uh, strong in, in entrepreneurship here. You got a lot more tenure. I mean, uh, Mr. Pfeiffer. So uh, we, we'd all love your stories for sure. Uh, economic downturn, but, uh, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, we, you know, we've been just implementing a basically hand to hand combat, man. We've been going to people, like yourself you know i think i probably sent you four or five emails before you responded and that's okay you go, i'm a persistent professional and uh but finally i got you on the phone and you're like i don't know about this thing but i'll sure i'll humor you i'll purchase a few and uh, you did and you know then we had a conversation you know fast forward you know uh, you know a couple months and you actually really liked it. i don't want to put words in your mouth so. oh i actually
0: really liked it you can put yeah. words in my mouth there we go
1: yeah, and and what's your thoughts on the anchoring sling, you know, piece, Mark? How does that help you and your team?
0: It's interesting because, like a lot of things, you mentioned it before. You revert to your training in a crisis, and if you're not trained and repetitively using pro in your anchoring, it's not something you're going to think about at three in the morning when it's sleeting when you got people hanging over the edge of some building and you have to get put into service. And if you've forgotten about it and you and I have had this conversation about the old bag of shit of, <laughs> of edge pro. And I mean, we, we have it in the fire service that I work at, right? It's that duffel bag for us. It's the Mac duffel bag, our version of REI. And it's got old turnout in it, carpets, fire hose. It's got some professional pro in there. It's got a bunch of duct tape. It's got a bunch of two mil cordage. and A lot of times that just gets left on the truck. And so all of a sudden then it's become, it's just good enough to go with the kind of like the fingers crossed behind your back that everything's going to be solid when you do this, or you end up choosing a different anchor than what you want because it's like, Oh, that one may, you know, that one might be hot. Maybe we're rigging to something that has been driven there, or that might be this, or that might be that. And so like you say, if you're not training that in your departments every single day when you're going out and doing it, then you're when you get there on that call, the, the individual is going to grab whatever anchor strap or webbing they have and they're just going to go tie it. And if there is a problem with that anchor, that solution sometimes isn't readily apparent. And so to have a device where it's built right in, and I think the other thing, and I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, what's the melting point of that again? Your department? Uh, 698. Six, 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 yeah, so it, it's pretty robust, and that way you can grab it. There's some different sizes. We can wrap it around something, and it takes that guesswork out of the system. It takes that, oh, crap, I forgot the bag of shite in the truck, and now I'm down an embankment or I'm wherever, and now I'm just going to have to make do. And it kind of takes away that make do problem.
1: It does. Right?
0: Um, and that's, you know, where I've found a lot of use for it. The other part of it is for the rope access folks, having that strap hanging over the edge. It's always something nice when you're doing your 90 degree edge transitions to be able to put your foot into something and just stand up and turn as opposed to, you know, playing around on the edge a little bit. Oh, we were employing assault ladders uh, for folks that don't know what those are. Um, think of a webbing ladder that has plastic rungs over top of webbing. Uh, for the you know the rungs on it the beams are webbing and we would run those over the edge or in confined spaces so that it was easier to do that edge transition on a 90 degree low edge this kind of takes care of that problem and it's something that's already in the kit because once again we train for that edge transition we have assault ladders but guys generally forget them when they go at the door they don't have a tendency of forgetting anchor straps Right. So all of a sudden you grab anchor straps, you've got edge pro, you've got something to help you with a 90 degree edge. It's a multifaceted tool. And that's what I like. I, I'd rather have something that has more options with it than just one thing. Stuff that just does one thing has a tendency of kind of getting thrown into the back.
1: Yeah. And I think I might be getting a touch feedback. No more. So no, no, thank you for, for, you know, you're, you know, it's the incorporation piece. You know, we trained in systems in the military, as did you, you don't, you don't just have, Your random backpack, like you're hiking the Appalachian Trail with your pots hanging out. I mean, everything is tight. It's systemized. It's PCI'd. It's checked. It's maintained. It's cleaned. And, you know, we implemented that discipline in the development of the product and said, we need a solution that's useful across all industries that is integrated and not that random bag. Oh, 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 crap. And um, you know every you know you know it's funny every department I've gone to I've seen rollers I've seen rollers I've seen rollers and when I ask how many people have the chance to use the rollers I say they, they they just don't work that well because everything has to be in perfect alignment your anchor your edge your your rescuer your victim and it makes it problematic so we we realize that you know our layering goes entirely through the whole system mark it's underneath the velcro. And that way, it allows the product to roll as as you start to do lateral movements in your rappel or in your lower. So, you know you can see you can see compromises in, in, in all portions of the product. But um, our whole objective is to cut the timeline. You know, it's you know minimize the time of the anchor system installation. Um, you know, minimize the time of, uh, of of setting up your rope protection and make the transition easier so the rescuer can get down and do what they're supposed to do which is to save that 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 casualty or wash those windows or you know to, do their bridge repair you know uh, inspection and they're just yeah
0: radio so kind of a two-parter what's next for rope safe and what's next for jonathan
1: oh man thank you yeah uh so you know, with the uh, with the success and you know the international portals opening up, um, you know we're seeing a lot of awesome tools that are very niche, and so we're really good at commercializing stuff. So, you know, we're looking at um, we're looking at some uh, some partnerships, but we're also um, you know we've been in the R and D game since the beginning of time, right? And you know we have high visibility uh, variations of the product that are already protected um, that we've just waited to release and. We, we have photoluminescent version of the product that, again, we're just waiting to release so that, you know, we think our customers, we want to be your 100% solution, you know what I mean? We want to be your anchor strap and your rope protector of choice, all industries without question. And, uh, and so that's what we're creating. And, and that includes the uh, Navy SEAL community, the Air Force Pararescue community, which were a standard specification for them anyway. Um, that when you tilt down your night vision goggles, uh, you'll be able to see your anchor strap and your edge because of our photoluminescent capabilities that are done with our friends together at Battlesite Technologies in Dayton, Ohio. Great company. Um, and what's next for me is growing this team, man. I'm having a, a lot of fun. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, entrepreneurship hasn't burned me out yet. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I've got, uh, I've got a double digit team uh excuse me i got a double digit team of veterans we're about 70 30 uh here and a very talented veteran entrepreneurs and my goal is to do everything i can to make them uh successful right on yeah how about yourself mark what's uh tell the your listeners what's next for ronin rescue
0: ah i don't know there's a ton of stuff we're looking at some testing of some uh of some items coming up that we're hoping makes a bit of a splash in the world. And I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Heck yeah. I love splash makers. let's make rain together. And I know we're doing some fun R and D stuff together, uh, that we can't talk about much more than that, but it's, uh, yeah, we, we love building Mark. I just want to thank you and your team because, uh, you know, for giving me the forum to share, uh, you know, the innovation in our team and our culture with the world. Um, and, uh, and if anybody wants to follow me, I'm at Ropesafe USA on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, uh, Pinterest someday. And, uh, you know, sign up for our email list. Just go check us out at Ropesafe USA. We do not blast sales letter copy. We blast, uh, you know, education based marketing and value where, you know, you and I have, uh, we're, we're editing an article about the importance of, of, uh, of rope protection and anchoring. So we're doing a lot more than just, uh, selling, you know, we want to really provide value for our customers.
0: Excellent. Is there anything else you want to uh, throw in here before we wrap it up? We've been going, uh, about 45 minutes, but, uh,
1: no, this is, this is great. I, 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 I look forward to, uh, you know, to getting out there and and meeting the Ronin team in, in person. Um, and, uh, just thanks for having me on Mark.
0: No, I appreciate you coming on. I love always chatting with folks that are, You know entrepreneurs in this business i don't think people understand how tough it is to get your foot in the door and do stuff in this business and uh be able to make a great product that you're doing and uh get it out there to the masses so happy to chat with you
1: yeah and if any other you know i I love i mean i'm busy as shit, but if if there's a veteran that's got an idea the sbir program from the air force the entrepreneurial boot camp for veterans with disabilities program particularly at uconn Uh, If you're a veteran and you have an idea that you want to flesh out, uh, or you have a business that you just want to take it to the next level, go and uh, check out the uh, UConn Entrepreneurial Bootcamp for Veterans. Check out the Institute for Military Veterans and Families. Uh, They are just incredible advocates over there. They've given me non-dilutive capital. They've helped me build websites. Just a phenomenal organization. Big shout out to those folks and many others that I forgot.
0: No, outstanding. Yeah. I mean, use the resources that are available to you. They exist out there. People that want to give you a hand, take advantage of it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome stuff, Mark. Uh, Thank you very much, man.
0: Thanks for coming on. It was great chatting.